0: Welcome to the Violet Ghost Train, where Halloween never ends, where Christmas Eve is always haunted, and where every summer's day ends in a thunderstorm. I'm your host, Crow Violet. Join us. ghost train victims uh, passengers sorry yeah that's the one hello darlings how have you all been i've not been around for a little bit i've been that annoying mix of sort of really really wonderful sometimes you know for a christmas time metaphor life's got many good and sparkly ornaments in it right now and i have also been fairly awful like eating coal awful that's always the way isn't it so sometimes, when everything's just sort of normal, you just kind of get along, like, oh, life is meh, life is there. But other times, super nice things are happening, and then you end up looking around at the rest of your life and thinking, actually, no, what the hell, the rest of it's not nearly good enough. What is this? And yeah. We have been having some issues. I am very, 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 very strongly in favour of people being open about mental health. Mine has not been stunning. Imagine that, a podcast with mental health issues. Good grief, the novelty. But anyway, it is very nearly December at the time of recording. It is the 29th of November, in fact, and I am sick of November. In some ways, like I say, some bits of November have been the best. And some bits have been not the best. So, with it being nearly December... I would like to, every spooky podcast out there is doing stuff about Krampus and midwinter and things. So I'm going to do one about, well, Krampus and midwinter and things. Well, midwinter anyway. But also, it'll be a little bit of a different show tonight. I'm just letting myself ramble a little bit. And I want to talk about some things that are more personal to me because this is a really sort of personal time of year, isn't it? We all look inside ourselves at this point. And I will talk about something things connected to mental health a little bit. But don't worry, I'll also drop a bit of horrible TV in at the end. Though I have no guests here right now, I, I am optimistic that I've got a few guests lined up possibly and certainly I'm, I'm hoping to reschedule a certain couple of notable podcasts in the near future. Hi guys. Um, to join me for more horrible stuff that they won't like at all, like last time. And I've got some others lined up for the new year, which will be divine, frankly. But the thing is, Christmas time... And this gets said a lot, but it's still true. Christmas time can be really tough. I'm mainly on my own at Christmas, and that's through choice. Though, I will be making a terrifying appearance at the homes of some of my very favourite people. But kind of like a particularly uncoordinated girly Santa. This is my choice, and am I happy with that? Well, yeah, kind of. Kind of. I do this sort of recurrent fantasy about this huge gothic mansion somewhere with all my people in it having some great demented tribal party for christmas time but apart from that i'm content if anyone has a massive gothic mansion they want to donate to the the violet ghost train get in touch with us via twitter or just just turn up at my house that's fine this time of year it says here is sparkly and quiet and strange and magical this is the time when schools start to wind down allegedly i'm The air's got that edge to it. Brilliant things can happen this time of year. And absolutely awful things can happen too. This is a time of extremes. It's the shortest day after all. Each year I try to watch the sunrise on midwinter's day. My ambition is one day to get to do it from a stone circle somewhere. But I'm a very lazy witch and I'm also an urban witch. So I've got this really nice viewing point that I found near the Sheffield Arts Tower. And the sun rises over the horizon there. And if you look, it casts the strangest shadows running all the way up the hills. And at times like that, I'll do a little chaotic ritual to talk to the world. Because it's midwinter, right? For me, much more than New Year's Eve. For me, midwinter is a time of reflection. It's looking back, marking the days and thinking, where was I a year ago? And you know, and like, your photos on your phone show you, two years ago you were doing this. Maybe it was awful, maybe it was amazing, I don't know. Who can say, but... We mark these days so we can have a look at what's happened in the meantime between them. And I think it's important to do that with a real sense of non-judgment. It's like, yeah, that thing didn't happen like I wanted it to. That other thing really did. And that thing was completely unexpected and kind of amazing. Um, Lots of other magical wonderful things happen. You know who you are. That's unsubtly winking at several gorgeous humans there. Yeah, non-monog- non-monogamy and relationship anarchy for the win. Or non-monegamy, as apparently said then. Never mind. That's going to be an eggnog joke in there somewhere. Yes, relationship anarchy. Queer relationship anarchy for the win, people. Hi, everyone that's lovely. Hi. Anyway, this time of year, I think it's all about hauntings this time of year. You get the ghosts in a Christmas carol. They're not massively scary, those ghosts. Apart from that last one that's all pointy and spectery. But you also get things like a ghost story for Christmas on the BBC in the 70s, which I've gone on about a fair bit and we will go on about more. I think we'll probably do a Christmas special with one of those at least. <gasps> I might do Lost Hearts. Lost Hearts are so good. I can remember being really, really little at a party around on my auntie's houses. It was one of those aunties that you aren't actually related to. And my uncle, again, one of those uncles that you aren't actually related to, he, he sort of leaned forward, he had a few, and he said to me, it's late, it's nearly midnight, this is time for ghosts to come out. I'd have never forgotten how happy that made me, that line, this is time, it's the time for the ghosts to come out, in case you can't speak Sheffield. Um, I love a ghost me, I, I love the whole concert, I, obviously that might not be a massive surprise to a lot of you, but that that really, really, really enchanted me. I do love a ghost. Not stare at the WhatsApp for hours sense. Not that kind of ghost. No, obviously not. Not that I stare at WhatsApp for hours. I've got self esteem now. I might edit that. Anyway, we get haunted by other memories, not just our own, but the memories that the city holds within itself. You know, the memories of the Christmas lights when you were a kid. If you were privileged enough to have that sort of experience, and not all of us were. The memories of the toy shop. If I lad toys, you had Toys R Us or whatever. Or Red Gates, if you're as old as I am. And Red Gates in Sheffield. Ah, it's a very Sheffield-centric podcast today. But um, as I say, we're talking about memories that the city holds in itself. The landscape holds memories too. For me, where I live in Sheffield, as I've said before, people have occupied this land for about 4,000 years on and off. Probably longer. I mean, who knows? But we've got relics that are buried here about 4,000 years ago by the Beaker people, I do believe. Um, A a funeral cremation was uncovered on one of the what, which is now a row of terraced houses now. I always sometimes walk past and give a little nod to the, the spirits there. And I think people are quite scared of me. But um where I sit, they sit with the same place that I would sit on the highest point on the highest hill around my pl around my end of town, which is a place called Bowl Hills Our oh, Bowl Hills is just wonderful. I love Bowl Hills so much. I'm going and look it up search it now on Google yeah, totally look at some of the photos of that place. it is just gorgeous, and they'd have sat my ancestors those four them probably not my ancestors those people who were there my predecessors four thousand years ago. They would have sat where I do, the highest point on the highest hill, and they'd have watched the sunset get earlier every day like I often do. There's this sort of belief that the rituals that people perform around this time of year are a kind of a fear thing. People making their rituals to bring the sun back because they think the sun is dying. I am not an academic. Um, I think we can all agree on that. But I don't agree with that concept. I, I got my own personal belief and i'm entitled to do that i live here as well um i think the people who lived here my predecessors they would have farmed the land they'd have been traders they would have known the patterns and the cycles of the year i think and i like to think that those rituals would have been celebratory in the nature because they would have known the sun was coming back they watch it every year what they would be knowing is yeah this is the awful bit in some ways if you live in a small hut it is anyway This is the start of the journey into those long days that lie in the future still. The Bowel Hill's a really special place to me. One of my favourite things to do is to share it with the special people in my life. And it's like an ambition. I can't try and visit the Bowl Hill with everyone that's important to me. Everyone that I really care about. Oh, did you hear that? I've got a little shake in my voice. I'm so emotional. I'm in a right state. Hormones, I'm saying. I think... Sharing that place and that wonderful thing with the special people in lives. And I'm not romanticising ancient culture or anything like that. Because it was hard and brutal and horrible probably. And probably really misogynistic and stuff. But I think that's what my predecessors might have been doing in some way. Holding hands in the dark, if you want to put it like that. Holding hands in the dark one of the best things in the world. Because once you link arms to somebody in the dark, the world seems a little bit more like it's your equal maybe just a little bit warmer sometimes told you I was feeling emotional if you've read the work of Ronald Hutton he's an absolutely amazing writer on sort of british folklore and traditions and ancient history and all sorts of things absolutely fantastic author i've been reading his book Stations of the Sun for years now it's like a little thing i sort of hit a chapter of it every so often, and I've been savouring it, must be for about 10 years, just working my way through one event at a time, because it details the events throughout the cycle of the year. But Ronald Hutton's got this theory, and I like it a lot, and he talks about all those sort of spooky things that we we often like to discuss, you know, Halloween or midwinter festivals, things like that, and the way that people claim a lot of those modern traditions are ancient survivals, pre-Christian rituals. Well, Hutton's point is, that's provably not true in loads of cases a lot of these rituals they're not four thousand year old survivals i mean some of them might be i guess i don't know but a lot of them's evidence today they're comparatively recent they're things we've just made up recently or developed recently and hutton's point though is that's fine that's brilliant in fact because that means right That sets us all free. It means a ritual you made up yourself an hour ago is just as valid and powerful as one that conceivably dates back millennia. And all those rituals, they speak to a very, very same, very, very important core need. That sometimes we all need to hold hands in the dark to surround ourselves with the sun that we make ourselves. If you'll forgive and I'll Good grief, I'm so emotional tonight. It's ridiculous. But forgive the mushy sentiment. That's what those rituals are. It's holding hands in the dark. It's protecting ourselves in that way. Reaching out to other people. And My family had rituals that we made up. And I sometimes make other people join in with them now and again. I'm sure everyone's delighted by it. For example, on New Year's Eve, before midnight, each one of us had to go outside on, on our own. And somewhere in the garden, we had to hide a coin after the stroke of midnight, we go out one by one and we bring our coins back in. And then, a little bit later on, or maybe we woke up next day, Jack Frost would have brought us a present. Not Santa, that's Christmas. This is Jack Frost. Jack Frost can walk through walls if you listen to our family. Can you imagine being sort of like five years old and hearing that? How does Jack Frost deliver presents, Mummy and Daddy? Well, tiny child, he can walk through walls... Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> Scary noise. We had a homemade seasonal deity. And if you got me on Instagram, at Crow Violet on Instagram, you have to ask nicely because it's a lockdown account because of my job. Um, please feel free to ask nicely and follow me. It would be lovely. Um, I paid a Jack Frost the other day. That was like, really. I was like, oh, this is what he looked like in my mind. And... I painted him along with some skulls and bone creatures as well, because this is the time of the Maryclued. I've just pronounced that wrong, haven't I? You know what I mean, skull horse monster. My apologies to experts in, in the, the Welsh languages everywhere. I'm very, very sorry about that. Um, but anyway, horse skull monster. I painted I painted that the other day as well, because and all these strange creatures. This is the time of year for it, isn't it, strange creatures that we summon out the dark to play games with at this time of year in the darkness. Playing around with Dark Forces comic book, I think it was in 2000 AD, years ago, said what's the point of Dark Forces? If you don't play with them, that's what they're for. Or as Grant Morrison once wrote, some people are too scared to play in the dark, it's too scary for some people. Oh my god, am I goth gatekeeping? I totally am, I'm so Sorry. Anyway, dark forces and skulls and bones aside, let's move on a little bit. Let's move on to today's horrible TV thing, and this is a cold and icy one, seasonally appropriate. So watch out, does Ingrid Hahn, my alter ego, once said? Look her up on Instagram. She's her account's completely open. I always say this. Nobody ever does. Anyway, as Ingrid Hahn that's two A's, so I've got a self-promotion head on, watch out, because this one is creepy as anything, so I'm going to talk about Silent Snow, Secret Snow, there's two main versions of this, um, this story, filmed versions that is, there's a version you can see easily online, I think it's on YouTube and stuff. And there's one that's locked down pretty tightly for copyright reasons, which I've got on DVD somewhere, but I think it's not the one you, you get copyright strikes putting stuff from it from. And I love them both. I'm going to focus a little bit on the one that aired on a programme in the very early 1970s, Rod Serling's Night Gallery. If you are familiar with it, you'll know exactly the vibe I'm going for. If you're not, get it, watch. Night Gallery is amazing. Basically, Rod Serling, the author, created the Twilight Zone before this sort of chain-smoking liberal social conscience in a really good suit, who is an all-around formative influence on me, and I like to think in some tiny way on this show, though I'm considerably camper than Rod Serling. I used to try and do an impression of him, didn't work. Anyway, Rod, Rod first name terms, would stand in a deserted art gallery at the start of every episode, and he would introduce a creepy story of some kind. There'll be a painting associated with it as well, or a sculpture or something like that. And it's famous for, you know, um, stories like their adaptation of Pickman's model, or they're tearing down Tim Riley's bar that makes me cry like anything every time. My voice goes all shaky again at this point. But anyway, we are talking about Silent Snow, Secret Snow today. And this one... Is really odd. It's based on a short story by an author called Conrad Aiken, which you can also get a hold of really easily. I recommend all three versions of it. So Silent Snow, Secret Snow is about this young boy, Paul. Now, One day, Paul wakes up and he's really excited because he realises it's snowed in the night. Heavy, beautiful, perfect snow that gets described really lyrically by the, the narrator, who I believe is Orson Wells actually, in the Rod Serling version. Paul loves the snow. And he lies there in bed. Says, it reminds me of being in childhood a lot. He lies there listening to the crunching of feet. He, he watches the sparkling light in the walls of his room. A lot of us have been privileged enough to do that as kids. And he lies there so happy and excited. at The sound of people messing about in the snow and all those things. Except, and I'm not really going to give too many more spoilers than this as usual. Um, It hasn't snowed. Because it's the middle of summer. Except just for a minute. Paul was convinced it had. Inexplicably. Now Paul. As he goes through all the horrible things that young people do. And my goodness I can remember quite a lot of those myself. You know queer and neurodiverse. Yeah. It's not going to be fun. But as Paul gets more and more stressed. Just as I remember doing with school. And with parents and with the strain of just being Paul, that snow, the illusionary dream snow, it it starts to call to him. Insistently, persuasively, it calls him into a world of small, bright, cold secrets, as I believe the dialogue runs. Calls him more and more. And that's all you're getting. Because I want people to track down a version of this or read this story. If you know me personally, come around and watch Night Gallery on DVD. If you don't, you're missing out. Know me personally, I'm amazing. Ego. Anyway, the Night Gallery version of Silent Snow, Secret Snow, is absolutely amazing. Utterly convincing performances from child actors, which is a rarity in itself. Minimalist visual effects, the snow and the cold and whatever they might actually be, are represented by shadows and light, really careful use of Maison scène, And they sort of encroach on this all-American family setting. And all the stresses that so many of us grew up with, all the, the sort of pains and issues, parents, school, authority, the snow kind of answers each one of those. And every time it does, it takes Paul further and further away. From that, you know, nuclear family world and into something else. Do you see why I like it? It's been cited as a metaphor for a sort of mental health collapse. It always reminded me personally of my neurodiversity. The the sort of non-verbal staring silent state that I can enter entranced by something. If you've been a night out with me sooner or later I will go non-verbal and staring into space. And... As I grow older though, right, it reminds me of a lot of other things. It reminds me of that moving away from home that happens. For a lot of us, when we reject the tropes and patterns that maybe don't accept us as much, not necessarily from parents, but from the whole, you know, that whole world that we grow up into, sometimes part of it don't accept us and we move away from it. If I am, if I can be very explicit, I'm talking about queer neurodiversity again. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a, a autistic and ADHD trans woman. And that sort of strikes a chord with me as well. Queer neurodiversity and the metaphorical snow is always calling to take you away from sort of high school sports and the labour market. I do not dream of labour. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, the snow is always calling. Actually, make that queer neurodiverse goth. I'm saying that'll do it. Yeah especially for me silent snow secret snow go and have a track down of it even if you only get the sort of older version that's on youtube it's a really powerful story your interpretation of it is entirely up to you the best stories are always completely open to interpretation anyway that's all this week from a slightly different and very delayed ghost train now, hopefully, we might be back on track. Do you see? Do you see why it's funny? Back on track like a ghost train. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, hopefully, back on track to get some more regular content out. But oh, I'm going to do the whole like public service bra- um, announcement now. I want to say, when you can do so, if you think it's appropriate to do so, if you think it's a good time, if you think it works, talk to people. Talk to people around you. I know this is like cliché, and some people I know are going to laugh at me for this. But you're just checking on people. Checking on the people you care about. I'm lucky people check up on me. Sometimes I'm alright, sometimes I'm not alright. I'm lucky in that I can manage that effectively as well. Not everyone can, just talk. It's it's a weird time of year. We need to also acknowledge that um, we need to normalise that it isn't all sparkly families as well. and it is all big gatherings. And there's lots of different ways to celebrate midwinter. As this time crawls around towards us. And if I want to leave me on a final emotive note. The midwinter dark is very big and very scary sometimes. But it is so much easier when you've got a hand to hold in the shadows. When you walk arm in arm with winter... And you love it, but you're also loving that the sun's coming back. And one day, you're going to sit on the Bowel Hills in the summertime again. I hope you all have a safe and marvellous and suitably sparkly week as we celebrate the beginnings of December. I'll be back very soon. Take care, my darlings, on the ghost train. Love you all. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Violet Ghost Train this week. You can find us on Twitter, at CrowViolets. Or on Instagram, CrowViolet in singular. You have to ask for permission to follow. Or on our website, CrowViolet.com, again in the singular. I trust you enjoyed your ride on the ghost train, dears. See you next time.